Welcome to Forbes India Teenpreneurs, a weekly podcast series where we speak with the young and restless, literally entrepreneurs and innovators under the age of 20. We'll dissect their enterprises, chart their journeys and highlight the perils and prizes of starting young. This is Naini Thakur and welcome to the 7th episode of Teenpreneurs. Our guest for today's show might be best defined as a serial innovator. 17-year-old Sunit Motwani was always interested in computer science since a very very young age and he started coding when he was in the 7th grade. In March he started developing a machine learning model to diagnose COVID-19 through chest x-rays or CT scans. Currently he is already in talks with a bunch of hospitals for the implementation of his model. Sumit also runs a virtual internship platform in a not-for-profit atmaraksha.org teaching children self-defense. The class 12 student at Dhirubhai Ambani International School in Mumbai will soon start applying for universities. But he is confident about continuing work on each of his ventures remotely. Sumit, thank you so much for joining us today. uh what inspired you to work on such a technology for covid-19 in the first place so first of all thanks for having me here uh in the past few decades the world has never seen something like covid-19 and i was determined to put my cs skills to use to help at even the smallest of levels so i got the idea when i came across a research paper in the lancet journal basically about how covid-19 causes identifiable lesions in lungs So I then decided to pursue the idea and build a machine learning based image classifier to do the same. And the dire need for a new test prompted me to build the model. So in early March I used TensorFlow and Keras to build a model to diagnose COVID-19 through chest radiographic images like X-rays and CT scans and the model uses a CNN a convolutional neural network. to identify certain changes in the structure of the lung so in the initial stages while it's really difficult to diagnose a patient with a naked eye based on these minor changes the model does exactly that but with a 90% accuracy and in, in under 1 second so the applications of machine learning to diagnose covid-19 was what inspired me to go ahead with the idea and start implementing it across the nation what stage is it at currently so we made the model fully open source a few months ago and it's available for government agencies and public hospitals and right now what we're doing is trying to implement the model across various hospitals and giving it to research institutions so that even they can test the success metrics of the model so the model right now is in the testing phase at quite a lot of hospitals and it's available to a lot of public hospitals and government institutions so if you can talk a little about you know the technology in itself given that you know there are a lot of um, other such models that are out there and a lot of people are working in this space so what is it that kind of makes your technology um, stand out so the fact that makes the technologies stand out is that we were the first ones in india to come up with such a model and it's completely open source available for all governmental institutions and public firms to use so the model uses a convolutional neural network based binary image classifier which basically acts like the brain's neurons so it extracts tiny features from those x-rays and ct scans 
and using those features our model is trained on a set of images and then it can identify whether a person is covid 19 positive or negative okay sure um understood and uh, what is it that you exactly mean by uh, the cnn uh, if you can explain it to our listeners uh, in a slightly simple fashion sure so in layman terms i'd say a brain is composed of neurons so in the field of artificial intelligence specifically machine learning a cnn uses these neurons to form a network so multiple layers of neurons each neuron focusing on specific parts of the image and then all of these combine into one final answer yes or no a binary answer mm-hmm. for whether a person is covid 19 positive or negative okay so can you tell us um, yeah. approximately how many how many of these exes would you have used to train um, you know the technology so at this moment we have about 500 images in each category so 500 covid 19 positive x rays and 500 covid 19 negative x rays so we've sourced these x rays from open source databases like kaggle and github and from multiple hospitals in countries like singapore and uh, france and even india and then we train our model on these images okay why did you decide to make the technology open source So I'm a firm believer in the power of open source and the democratization of technology. And in a time like this, you can't withhold technology. And in developing countries mainly, such a model should be provided for free. The if I would have patented it or like just sold it to a few startups that offered to buy it, the model wouldn't have reached as many people as it is right now. And it's free. for anyone to use we just implemented for them but making it open source helps get it out in the world okay all right um and when you uh, i mean like you said that you were also in 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 touch with a couple of private hospitals so for them it, there is a particular business model in place right i mean you will be charging a fee uh, and how how would that work sure so while the model is open source anyone can download it Hmm. implementing it at a hospital is a completely different process okay so while we do it for free for public hospitals and governmental institutes for private hospitals since it takes a lot of manpower to actually sit there and implement it we have a business model in place to fund our project and optimize the model and then implement it at this hospital Okay. Uh, can you run us through the process of how the implementation actually happens on ground? Sure. So let's say a hospital would want to use such a model. Right now, it's in it's still in the testing phase, and it's being used as a supplementary model. So while they're still conducting tests using the traditional PCR tests or the swab tests, mm-hmm. they also use this model to increase the accuracy and to actually assess whether this model works. So what hospitals want is they want easy access to the model so even though it's freely available it's difficult to use right now because it's machine learning and hospitals don't have a lot of trained professionals to run these models right so basically we implement these models we can implement these models in the form of a web application where a doctor can simply upload a file and get an answer whether a patient is covid 19 positive or negative 
Okay. Or we can create a desktop application based on the hospital's needs. Okay. So you will be providing them with customizable solutions as per their needs and requirements and the um, infrastructure of, that the hospital has to offer. Yeah. So while the core model remains the same, the implementation is as per what the hospital demands. Understood. Um, and so far, uh, Sumit, since you've already started reaching out to a bunch of hospitals, what is the kind of response that you received? Um, and when did you actually start reaching out to these hospitals? So it's a mixed response. Uh, I started reaching out to hospitals when the Times of India wrote an article about us and people were actually showing interest in the model. So the thing is that a lot of hospitals aren't really sure whether they want to implement such a model because that's probably the first time they're hearing about machine learning hmm. because the healthcare system here isn't too advanced. Hmm. So while a lot of hospitals are interested in such a model, a lot of uh, a few hospitals are also quite hesitant about implementing the model because they're like, what can a computer do? We have a doctor to do the same thing, but what they don't get is that a doctor has an accuracy of 70 to 80 percent. Using a model, you can get an accuracy of upwards of 90 percent. Okay, all right, fantastic. And when you said that you know a lot, you, you've got a lot of response, or a lot of people have been reached. Uh, because of the open source uh, model, can you give me a rough estimate in terms of approximately how many people would have, um, you know, been reached with, through this, or or how many people have access or have access to this um, technology of yours so far? So so far, in the model that I've posted online, we yeah. got about three thousand downloads. Oh, so fantastic! The thing okay. is that we're restricting it a bit to private individuals. So okay. a lot of hospitals or researchers in, interested in the model just email us okay. because if we hand it over to every private individual and help them implement it, you never know if they're testing it on themselves or on their family members, oh, okay. which is a significant risk. Okay. So we need to be a bit cautious. safe or okay. cautious about how we implement it. And you would need to be more cautious and they shouldn't ideally do that because like you said, it's not the primary test and it should be used as a supplementary test only. Am I right? Yeah, at least until the model is tested, use okay. it as a supplementary test. Sure, sure. So right now, what is the kind of testing that it is under undergoing? Is it through hospitals or are there third parties involved with the testing? How is it going? So I have, I'm in touch with a few researchers who are running the model on their test data sets of x-rays and CT scans and even the hospitals that are running it they since they use it as a supplementary test they already have the result in hand plus they run the model on a patient's x-ray if they need an x-ray and then you can compare the results and slowly form a large set of results to determine whether the model is actually quite successful or not all right understood and what are the kind of challenges that you had to go through, you know, while you guys were developing this uh, this technology? Implementing the model at hospitals is another tough job because, like I said, hospitals are really hesitant to implement this. And since it's so uncertain, they don't know what to do. So a 17-year-old going to hospitals makes them slightly cautious and a lot of them tend to not go ahead with the model but then those who do 
are very happy with the progress. Okay, all right. So I think um, the main challenge was implementing it and getting it out to the world. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, currently, um, obviously, given that this research would require a significant amount of investment, etc., how are you sort of sustaining it at the moment? And are you actively looking for any form of funding uh, or anything like that? So, I'm not actively looking for funding because we have a few people who are interested in the model and are just donating to us so that we can go ahead and implement it. So, while I'm not looking for funding right now, I think we might need funding for a next stage where the model actually gets approved and where we launch massive large-scale applications like this. So, what are your plans to scale up this technology and where do you see it going? So, by the end of the year, my goal is to raise about $10,000 from multiple sources to help us implement the model where we're doing it for free, like public hospitals. And in terms of the number of hospitals, I think touching 100 hospitals by the end of the year seems like a reasonable goal that I intend to achieve. Okay. Um, and to me, out of curiosity, I was wondering, you know, like you said, a lot of startups kind of reached out to you to, you know, kind of buy the model and all of that. Um, why did you kind of not just give in to that and, and you know, kind of sell it to them and, you know, just continue doing what you were doing, even how young you were? So, why is it that you decided to take this risk uh, in the first place? <laughs> so, I never even considered selling it off to a startup okay. because, like I said, uh, a model like this shouldn't be charged for. It should be freely available to everyone so that they can use it and it basically saves lives. Faster testing is what we need right now. And if I had given it away to a startup, mm. there was also news that a few startups and institutions were trying to patent such a model in March, in May, Maya. Okay. And if I had just given it away, someone would have probably patented it at the startup. I never know. And I wouldn't have been there to oversee how they're implementing it or what they're actually doing with it. So that was the reason why I decided to go ahead and just make it open source. Okay. So that it spreads around the world faster. Sure. Um, and I believe post, you know, you starting work on this um you know, project, I believe you bagged an internship with the DRDO. Um, so, you know, how did that happen? And are you, are you still working with them? And what is the project that you're working with them on? So, for the, DR, the DRDO, I got in touch with them in May. And the fact that I already had these projects under my belt and a lot of publicity, DRDO was actually interested in given me a potential uh, in giving me a project to start. So the project was on disguised face recognition because right now a lot of crimes are happening and the person and the criminal is wearing a mask. So they wanted a machine learning solution to detect these faces wearing disguise. And that's what I'm working on right now. And I'll keep on working on it till I think December. 
Okay. Wow. All right. So you are uh, at the moment uh, you are you know kind of juggling with this uh, internship uh, as well as the research projects that you have for COVID. Yeah. I believe I you know have also quite a lot of other things. Yes, which is what I was just coming to that you also have another platform where you help students find internships, right? So how did you set that up, and when did you set that up, uh, and how well is it doing right now? So I set up virtualinternship.org in June. So. i came across certain internships certain virtual internships which were available to students sitting anywhere in the world so a lot of students like me had lost their internships so i lost my iit bombay research project because of the pandemic and this prompted me to start virtualinternship.org which helps students find internships so i posted about the platform on linkedin and surprisingly i received about 250000 views and almost 5000 comments so oh, wow. students were showing a lot of interest in the platform and i just sent my i just sent the first the first few newsletters a few weeks ago and got a great response a few people also want to work with us to help reach out to more students okay. so we're about we're at about 10000 members and counting Great. So, is is this a paid um, kind of a platform um, at all, no. or is it just completely? It's completely free. Okay. For all both right. the recruiters and the students. Okay. Yeah. Um, and currently, you know, uh, being in the twelfth grade, I believe school would have started for you as well. Um, so juggling that with, um, you know, uh, the COVID nineteen research, which also requires you to, you know, travel quite a bit and and meet and reach out to a lot of hospitals, and of course the the a lot of other projects that you're working on. How are you kind of juggling between all of these uh, insane number of things that you're doing at the moment? Huh. So it is tough because right now I'm in twelfth grade. I'm in, I I'm starting at Dhirubhai Ambani International School right. in the IB program, which is considered one of the most rigorous pre-university programs. Yes. But what really helps is that time. I think time management is the most important thing, and that helps me to balance my academics, my university applications, and these projects. All three aspects of my life simultaneously, and the fact that I enjoy doing these projects. doesn't make it much of a burden on me it's actually fun to just yeah like code for sit and code for 12 hours i enjoy that right. so that doesn't tire me out okay great uh and one last thing sumit uh, you know to what extent is age proven to be a barrier for you because you know i i know you said that uh, earlier that you know a lot of people might question the fact that you know oh a 17 year old is posted about this you know what does he kind of know so to what extent has it really impacted you if you can recollect any sort of anecdotes um or any any instances like that sure so the first time that i started programming was i think in 6th or 7th grade and that happened by me stepping into the wrong classroom so i enrolled in this institute to learn web development and i accidentally stepped into the java classroom okay and all of these bearded 22 year old guys were in that room learning java so ever since then i've been with a lot of people mm-hmm. who are in my age who are in their 20s and 30s and sometimes the fact that you're so young it comes as both an advantage and a disadvantage yeah so in terms of the disadvantage a lot of people aren't willing to take you too seriously unless you have 
something. But then, on the bright side, if you look at the advantage, being young really uh, makes more people interested in what I'm doing. And so even like during my DRDO internship, the director of that lab where I'm interning, he said that the fact that we want you to work on this project isn't because of your technical expertise per se. It's instead, it's rather because uh, of the critical thinking and the innovative ingenuity that you bring to the table that any youngster brings. Sure. So, most teenagers and kids are really curious and passionate about doing whatever they like. But, and they come up with the most original ideas. So that really helps. Great. Um, and did your parents sort of ever, you know, question, doubt the fact that, you know, you may not be able to handle so much work at, at the same time? My dad's always like, okay, before you start another project, please end one thing. Then yeah dump to another yeah but yeah. i physically can't do that <laughs> i love doing projects in every area possible sure and my parents are sometimes a bit hesitant about me doing so many projects so many things even my counselors are complaining so much you need to end stuff first and then start other stuff yeah but since i am able to manage it they're pretty happy with it uh, great. Uh, thank you so much for giving us the time and being on the show. You are listening to Forbes India Teampreneurs. We'll be back next week with another Teampreneur. See you then. Today's show was edited and mixed by Manswini Kaushik. If you like the show, don't forget to share and subscribe. Also check out our other podcasts, a fortnightly series on our latest cover story called Inside Forbes India and conversations about business, economics and books on From the Bookshelves of Forbes India.